You're listening to episode 125 of the Rebel Buddhist Podcast, where we talk about showing up authentically in relationships. Welcome to the Rebel Buddhist Podcast, where we explore how to use the science of psychology, Eastern spiritual practices like mindfulness and compassion, and the game-changing work of self-coaching so you can free your mind and free your life. I'm your host, Anna Verzoni. Hey, hey, humans. Okay, let's just start this out with straight talk, because that's how I like to roll, right? So, I have been working on wise speech, wise speech, like trying to be as skillful as I can be with how I talk (laughs) since I started my dedicated practitioner program at Spirit Rock, like really intentionally working on wise speech. And one place I've historically failed at this is with my husband. So I'm going to tell you a story about shit hitting the fan in our relationship. But I wanted to preface this with why speech isn't just about speaking skillfully. It's also about speaking our truth, the truth. So as I tell this story, maybe also pay attention to where I'm not or wasn't speaking my truth. Because when I'm not being skillful, it's kind of obvious, but it might be a little more subtle when we're trying to sift through like speaking our truth. So y'all know my husband is awesome, but can be really annoying, right? Like much less so now that our kiddo's in school and I don't need his help as much. But for a while there, he was like really freaking annoying, lovable, but annoying. And I mean, y'all, this man was gone like three and a half months a year out of the state for fun to go paragliding. And no, he doesn't get paid for it. Not including weekends and evenings that he was gone for paragliding. And I, former climbing guide, so it wasn't like I didn't have a special connection to adventure and wilderness myself, right? I was at home with an infant that eventually grew into a toddler that was not in school and for which it was a pain in the ass to get childcare. And I was the primary breadwinner, right? So that was kind of annoying. And I asked quietly or like more reservedly for what I needed at first, for what we agreed on before the baby was born, you know, that we'd alternate who was the primary breadwinner after the baby was born and how much we'd each be gone because we knew adventures were important for us. But when he didn't honor our agreements and didn't respond to my more polite requests, y'all, I started to yell. Then he'd listen for like a minute and then go back to his old patterns. And then I'd yell again. And he'd be like, oh, so like, this is a big deal for you. And I'm like, yeah. And then he'd stick to it for a minute and then go back and so on and so on and so on. So it was exhausting. The not being listened to until I was almost raging was getting like really old and wearing me down. And I'm sure it was wearing him down too. So Let me explain a little more about what exactly we mean by wise speech as I'm kind of getting into the story. So Thich Nhat Hanh describes wise speech in part as knowing that words can create happiness or suffering. I am committed to speaking truthfully, using words that inspire confidence, joy, and hope. When anger is manifesting in me, I'm determined not to speak 
Yeah, right. I will practice mindful breathing and walking in order to recognize and look deeply into my anger. I know that the roots of anger can be found in my wrong perceptions and lack of understanding of the suffering in myself and in the other person. I will speak and listen in a way that can help myself and the other person to transform suffering and see the way out of difficult situations. So you can see why I'm striving for this, right? Like that all sounds so good. So first, I was definitely speaking when angry, which didn't help anyone. And again, this isn't about like anger not being helpful. It is. We need anger. It gives us movement and energy. But we tend to not act skillfully when we act in anger. So this is what I really relate to when Thich Nhat Hanh says, like, knowing that the roots of anger can be found in my wrong perceptions and lack of understanding of the suffering in myself and in the other person. And I feel like if we went to that layer, that's where the truth is sitting, right? When speaking our truth is sitting. Like I was like, I want you, I need you to be home and I need you to do this and that. But I wasn't really like speaking to the suffering in myself and in the other person at that depth. And what's interesting here is that even though I often ended up raging sometimes, it turns out I was defaulting to people-pleasing, even though it came across as me being pissed, because I was still saying yes when he'd ask, do you mind if I go? When what I really wanted was for him to Stop even fucking asking so I didn't have to say no. Because I'm a yes girl. People pleasing. Or when he agreed to be home at least three nights a week for dinner, and then he wouldn't stick to the agreement. And the only consequence or result of all that was me suffering and yelling louder and no other result of the broken agreement, right? Well, maybe no sex, but you know. (laughs) And I went through some other options, right? Like hiring a nanny, but the agencies I called didn't have a rep in Alaska at the time. Tried to get a cousin from the Philippines to come and help us. Couldn't get them a visa for that. I did a lot of things, but I didn't say enough is enough. I did a lot of things except leave. And in hindsight, I can see that there were still some remnants of me trying to be like the cool wife who understood outdoor adventure, right? And also, I honestly didn't think that my being bored at home alone with a kid was reason enough to enforce boundaries so that he'd stay home more, right? Like, what else would he be doing if he was at home? Like, there's only so much I could do when I was breastfeeding. Like, I would be super into like gazing at my kid and stuff for like the first few minutes. But after a while, it's like, like, I would like to be out skiing too. So it was hard for me to sort of see that, right? And what was really going on here, though, was me not believing that keeping me company, his wife, a new mom who was also working full-time, as worthy enough a task. I was 
believing that I was not worthy of asking for help or for attention. I was not worth making someone else uncomfortable. These were my beliefs then that I didn't see, but it should have been worth it. And I wish I'd acted on it sooner because that boredom and loneliness became depression and I was deep in it. And even then, I didn't enforce boundaries or have any other result to him being gone so much more than we'd agreed to other than me getting more pissed, which while I can get me some good rage on, wasn't that consequential for him in the big picture and definitely not helpful for me. And when I sit with why I didn't authentically act on my truth and resorted to yelling it and not even my whole truth about how I was at my wit's end. It came down to my beliefs of worthiness and lovability and that I wasn't worth standing up for. And I was afraid, no, like I was terrified that he'd leave me if I did anything less than work full-time and raise the kid alone and say, go, run for the hills. And then I'd really be undertaking this monumental task alone. I mean, he was already gone so much. And then for me to put more restrictions, which let's face it though, there weren't really that many restrictions, but I was afraid I'd be alone. Raising a kid in a state I was relatively new to with friends that didn't even have their own kids at the time and feeling very alone. And let's face it, abandoned. Like that was my story, my old story from childhood that was getting rehashed, right? That's where that pain was, right? So here we are, a couple with a baby who had crappy models of parenthood on many levels, the two of us, and my husband's gone a lot and I'm working a lot, being the primary caregiver and the primary breadwinner, and there was a lot of toxic energy for a long time. So fortunately, I know a lot of coaches and I like paying for coaching. And I invested in myself and in our relationship and was like, my brain was so stuck on wanting this to be like not my fault and wanting to blame everything else, right? Like even I've had evidence, like my friends were like, yeah, I wouldn't put up with that shit. I can't believe it. Da, da, da. But I knew deep down that he and I chose each other because we wanted unconventional lives, right? And, and I just wasn't clear about what I wanted and needed and that I was willing to stand up for, that I was worth it. So I finally realized that I was worth it through this work, that I deserved to ask for help and that I was indeed worthy being with, even if it was boring as I breastfed, right? And I said, hey, I'm so tired of you making promises and not keeping them. And I'm so tired of it taking me yelling for you to listen to me. And I realize I've played a part in this. I didn't honor my own boundaries of respect and trust in an intimate relationship. So here's the deal. And I've written it all out because I'm tired of yelling. And I know you do better reading stuff. And let's be real, I should have been a lawyer, y'all, because this shit was nine pages. But basically, I said, you know, this lays out the minimum help I need. Like, you can paraglide four days a week, max, even if the weather's awesome. We're not a rainy day family. Like, we don't want you just hanging out with us just because it's raining, right? And 
we want you home for dinner at least three nights a week because it matters to our kiddo. I mean, our kid would comment when the three of us were together at the same time because it used to be so rare, y'all. <laughs> and I would, and I said, you know, you can only be gone two months a year out of state for fun. And I know, I know, I get it. I love adventure too. <laughs> and I need one family vacation a year where I'm not alone the whole vacation with the baby because you're paragliding all day. So I need two weeks a year of family vacation where you don't even bring your paraglider. We can go river rafting together. We could do a climbing road trip out of the camper van. We can trek in Nepal. We can do via ferratas in, in Italy, but no paragliding for two weeks, right? And I need you to pay me for the insurance premium that's coming out of my paycheck because I'm the one busting my ass for this here. That's it. I want these things. I've done the soul work to decide what I really want and what I need to do this family thing. Otherwise, I can be alone and hire someone who can at least do the basics I need. And I don't want to have to nag you about it. And if you can't do it, then we can talk about mediation and separation because if this is genuinely how you want to show up in a family, it's not for me. Y'all, it was scary as fuck. I was shaking as I wrote it, but as I stepped more deeply into understanding my worthiness and my lovability, like as I wrote it, a calmness set over me, you know, with each draft, the anger would shed out of it and the love and the compassion would come in. And I can't explain it that well, but it was so calm and coming from love. That's how I knew it wasn't an ultimatum. Like, do this or I leave. It was speaking my truth. It was authentic and honoring the truth of my experience and honoring that I was worth every damn request and that he was worth deciding no if that's what he wanted. And it was only through honesty and authenticity that we got to decide for reals if we wanted to be together, to stay together. He was great at living authentically and being like, take it or leave it. And it wasn't like he intentionally walked around being like, I'm just going to make sure I'm constantly living my truth. It just didn't cross his damn mind to people, please. (laughs) Isn't that like so not what most of us are used to? And so I then sucked at being honest with myself and him about what I really wanted and needed and to stand up for that, to have my own back. I yelled for it and begged for it, but did nothing else when it didn't happen until that moment. And you know, a common challenge clients have is about staying in relationships or leaving or how to show up in the dating world or in the friendship world without pretending to be someone they're not. And the real fear, of course, is will I be alone if I do that? If I am myself, will someone really love me if I am me? And the way the question gets asked, though, is often wondering if they should stay in a relationship, for example, because they don't think they can be 100% themselves in the relationship. Like, I don't think my partner can handle it based on how they've reacted before. Right. And I'm like, but are you actually living your truth in the relationship right now? Like, 
how can we decide that or even assume how someone will react if we're not even showing up as ourselves and not even giving the other person a chance to see how they'd show up if we were actually being ourselves, authentically being ourselves as we are sitting in our worthiness and lovability, which as you can see is what I was like failing at before my come to Buddha moment, right? (laughs) Sometimes this whole thing is like a rationalization, like trying to find a different reason to leave other than when they're having a hard time acknowledging and feel it isn't reason enough. But usually what's going on here is we're trying to stay in our heads about it and not knowing, speaking, and living our truth, not taking action based on our truth. You know, on the Adventure Mastermind, people often discover their deepest truths and how they want to live this one, as Mary Oliver says, wild and precious life. And it's fucking amazing to finally know your truth. I'll say that. But then we often get stuck in our heads and wonder if so-and-so can still be our friend or how we can be authentic on dates or if our partners will be able to handle this new me, right? But we won't ever be able to figure that out in our heads, my friends. We need to be ourselves authentically. So why speech? Speaking our truth, not just our needs and wants, our truth. And then also wise action, living our truth, having our own back. Then we don't have to wonder about it and distract ourselves with thinking about if so-and-so will be so angry if we're our true selves. Listen, first, it's important to say, that being our true selves does not mean that we need to walk around being like, fuck you, deal with it, right? It can come from a place of love and compassion. Like, hey, you, yes, you, who I fell in love with and you fell in love with me. Yeah, you. That me you fell in love with way back then or last year, (laughs) I've changed and grown as people do when they're making the most of this one precious life and healing our wounds, becoming a fully healed adult. And I get it. It might be scary or disappointing to see how I'm changing and I need to honor my truth. So I'm going to try this. I'm going to try and be myself without hiding. I'm going to be honest with you about how I feel. I'm going to do things that I love. I'm going to trust that if we see what happens when we both live our truth, if we're still good for one another. So I want this for you too, for you to be able to be honest and live your truth. Because if we really love one another, that's what we want for one another, right? And we need to be willing for this to be either something that works out and we grow together or something really sad that means we part ways. But we can do this from a place of what we both deserve, which is to be who we really are in this world and to have people around us who love that version of us. See, rebels, it can be like that, which is why I wrote it down because I couldn't remember that shit, right? (laughs) So I put that kind of like in fewer words in this thing I wrote and gave to my husband. So I put what I needed and my truth in writing. I admitted that what I needed before 
we had a kid was far less than what I needed now that we had a kid. I admitted I felt I was being generous with how little I demanded. I mean, I have friends without kids that expect their partner to be around more. (laughs) And we had indeed talked in advance about how things would change after we had a kid. We agreed, I think it was like one month-long trip a year for him to do a big expedition, plus occasional weekend trips and stuff like that. And that how I understood how he had made some of those promises that after his lived experience, he decided he didn't want to follow through on anymore. After all, I mean, neither of us even babysat, let alone had proper role models for what engaged, healed parents act like, how they show up. And that now we were at a crossroads. I was fully willing to walk away with love and compassion if I could not speak my truth, live my truth, and live this new path of parenthood as I felt I wanted to. So he sat with it like a true Virgo for a long ass time. And many days later came back and said, okay. And I think that literally might've been all he said. And you know what, y'all? He stuck to it ever since. It's been, I don't know, maybe four or five years since I wrote that. And he said, okay, and stuck with that shit. Needing a few reminders, of course, but I was like, damn, I wish I'd done that earlier. Is this what's possible when I'm not constantly afraid of being left alone, abandoned? It reminds me of when I was 11. Whew. I kind of touched a chord in me there. So I'm 11, right? And my mom had been physically and verbally abusing me all those years. And one day, I had a computer that she got from some guy who worked for Apple that dated my mom's friend, but he failed to tell her we'd have to buy all these programs on floppy disks to actually make it run and do stuff that we couldn't afford right? So this thing sitting in my room, I could never do anything on it. And she'd yell at me like, why aren't you writing your papers on it and shit? We didn't even have a printer. (laughs) And I had a book about like basic programming from the library, like one of those programming for dummies things or something. And I ended up actually creating a game on my computer using the code I learned in the book. Like I put in a bunch of words and they scroll by, then you'd hit these buttons that would make it stop on a word. And you'd would do this like three times or whatever, and it would make a funny sentence. It was like Mad Libs. Do y'all remember that where you put in random words to see the sentence it made? But being the rebel I was, I put in some swear words. And here I was creating a game from scratch on a computer, never having had a computer class before. And my friends and I gathered around the computer and giggled when we made a sentence that was like, his shit was blue. And one of my mom's friends was walking by at that moment and he laughed and he told the adults this story. He thought it was funny, but my mom was embarrassed, then enraged. And she pulled me aside by my hair in front of everyone, took me into the bedroom. We all slept in in one bedroom at the time. And she beat my head against the wall and started hitting me. And I'm sure that people could hear what was going on in the other room. Then she took off a high heel. She was only four foot 11, y'all, and she always wore high heels. And when I saw that heel coming at me, I grabbed her hands, her wrists, I think, 
And I said through my tears, stop. I am not afraid of you anymore. That was a pivotal moment for me. Then the unexpected happened. She held me and cried and said she was sorry. She stopped beating me regularly then. It still happened on occasion, but it wasn't like a daily fear that I had. It was powerful to speak my truth, act on it, and have the other person who I thought would never change begin to shift. I was too terrified to try it out before, which made sense. I'd gotten bigger, right? (laughs) And as we explore any resistance we might have to speaking our truth, it might be helpful to ask, where is this pattern stemming from long ago when it wasn't safe to be authentic, to speak and live our truth? And it might be helpful to ask, have I been living my truth so that I can see what would happen in this relationship if I do? Because when we live authentically, we give others permission to do the same. When we speak our truth, we give others permission to do the same. The only way we'll know who really loves us is to be us. And let's face it, not being anything but ourselves is also fucking exhausting. It's not sustainable anyway. And then we think about being ourselves as some kind of surprise when we can no longer keep up the charade, right? Being in relationship authentically, whether that's a friendship or a date or an intimate relationship or a family dynamic, that's the only way we'll know if that person can accept us for who we are. Not if we're lovable or worthy. That is inherently already true. But being ourselves authentically is the only way we'll know if the other person can take it or not. Until then, we don't know. I just gave you two examples where there was so much evidence that things wouldn't change. And then they did. And I'm not saying that they always will, but what I am saying is it'll make shit really clear. When we are truly ourselves, And ideally, when the other person is also truly themselves, it will answer for us. Then we don't have to wonder about it. We show up as us. They accept us or not. We choose every day who we connect to with our hearts. That's a lot easier to do when what we see is what we get. We owe that to ourselves and others. But the honest truth is so tender. We fear if we do that, we might not be loved, right? that will be alone. But let's look at this. This stems from a core belief that we have of ourselves that we're not worthy, not lovable. So of course we're scared shitless to be ourselves. I mean, we don't want to be alone. It feels like death, right? The idea that no one will care about us if we're ourselves. My friends, there are literally billions of people on this planet. You will not be alone. And We're not going to attract authentic, healthy people into our lives until we are willing to love and accept ourselves, feel that we are worthy ourselves. Sure, we can attract the toxic people, the energy vampires, the people who want to control us, but we won't be attracting the healthy people who love us for us, who see our beauty and worthiness. 
the work it takes to get to this place of worthiness and self-love is sexy as fuck. And you will ooze this self-love from your pores. And this is what calls in the people with them self-love pheromones who want you for you. When you yourself believe you are lovable and worthy, when you yourself believe it is worth being alone and not lonely than being with someone who doesn't accept me for me and feeling the most lonely I've ever been. When we believe in our own inherent worthiness and lovability. So you can see why the Adventure Mastermind is six months long, right? It takes some time to get into deeper and deeper layers of authenticity and then bring that to the world to release the shame and the guilt and the rage so that we can drop the armor and be who we really are. It's so fucking vulnerable. It really is. And it's what we're destined to be, why we are here. What is one truth you can speak from love and compassion today? And what does that look like if you live deeper into it? What would you do or not do? You're not here, rebel, to make people comfortable. You're here to be you in the fullest possible sense and to do the sacred work of discovering that in deeper and deeper layers. It's not for the faint of heart, but it is absolutely worth it. Yes, you've heard right. The early bird registration for the Adventure Masterminds open right now with epic bonuses and a thousand bucks off. Maybe you can use that to extend your stay in Hawaii or Alaska after our adventures together. So yeah, head over to AdventureMastermind.com to learn more and apply now. I want to take you on inner and outer adventures near glaciers and at the blue warm waters of the Pacific. So come on adventuremastermind.com If you like what you heard, please spread the love and share it. And if you know you need some help with this and want to learn more about how to free your mind and free your life, go to rebelbuddhist.com and grab my free Rebel Buddhist Toolkit where you'll receive a video training on cultivating resilience, access to the private Rebel Buddhist group where I do weekly live sessions on topics just like this, and a copy of the gorgeous Rebel Buddhist Manifesto, and more, for free. That's rebelbuddhist.com.